At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to look deeper into 1 Peter, tuning into our current series, Unshakable, Steadfast Hope in an Unpredictable World. Join us as we allow God's Word to shape us and renew our hope with the brilliant truth of the gospel. So I got a quick story. I read this story recently. And it's from a long, long time ago, and I'm going to billyize it. You know, that's why I normally do a story. So the story goes like this. There was a priest in the old world, and he was walking along the road one day when this guard comes up to So picture the guard from the old world, you know, the little fancy hat and everything. He comes up to him. He stops this priest. He says, what's your name? Why are you here? Where are you going? And the priest's a little taken aback, and he's like, what, what did you just say? He said, I said, what's your name? Why are you here and where are you going? And so the priest kind of crosses his arms, wrinkles his nose a little bit. He goes, how much do they pay you per month? Well, a guard didn't expect that, right? And so he gets kind of serious, kind of does a little like, I don't know whether it be at attention or parade rest or what I'm supposed to do right now. And he goes, so they pay me three scudos per month. Three scudos per month, huh? Well, I'll pay you 30 scudos per month if you ask me those same three questions every week. What's your name? Why are you here? Where are you going? We all ask ourselves those questions, don't we? We ask them in a lot of different ways, but we're always asking ourselves, like, who am I? And why am I here? And where am I going? You ask that about your organization. You ask that about different groups that you're partnered with. We ask that as a church, right? Because it tells our identity and it tells our purpose. It tells why we're here and where we're going. And church, when we are linked together in our identity and our purpose and our mission, this unifies us and drives us in the mission that God has called us to. Of course, you know, if we're not careful and we don't continually come back to talk about our, and I think this is why the priest wanted to know from the guard, like, will you ask me every week? Because if we don't ask ourselves on a regular basis, who are we? What is our purpose and where are we going? If we don't ask that on a regular basis, we start to drift as a church, don't we? All of a sudden, just like that, all of a sudden we're chasing things that we were never meant to chase. And so what we want to do is go to the Word of God this morning for that answer. Who are we? What's our purpose? Where are we going? Open up to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. As you're turning there, let me recap real fast for anyone who may be joining us for the first time. This unshakable series is now in week number five. What we're covering is we're covering 1 Peter, really just verse by verse. We're working our way through 1 Peter. This is so important. 1 Peter is written to Christians. It's written to the church. There are places in the Bible that you can read if you're like, what was it like to hear for people who are struggling with faith and curious about what they uh, are trying to believe? Those, those passages are in there, but that's not what this is. This is written to believers. More specifically, to believers in a world that's super shaky. The, the culture is just chaotic. And so Peter says, you need to be holy because God is holy. You need to earnestly love one another. This is a place where you need to remember the foundation of your faith, and that is Jesus is the cornerstone of all of our faith. We are precious stones building up this spiritual temple, but Jesus is the cornerstone to our faith, and that brings us to our big idea today that believers are God's redeemed people. Believers are God's redeemed people, which as we've talked about, we 
We're hostages to sin. And that's where God redeemed us. He rescued us through Christ Jesus. So we're going to look at three three different points. The first thing that we're going to look at is where Peter's specifically going to talk about you need to know who you are. Know who you are. Let's read 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 9. Peter says this. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. So I love this. Peter starts out this whole conversation. He's just talked about how Jesus is the cornerstone to our faith. And he says, but you are. Do you hear how emphatic that is? He doesn't say, here's who you're growing to be. He doesn't say, this is who you ought to be. He doesn't say, it'd be nice if you were. No, he says, this is who you are because Jesus is the cornerstone to our faith. You are, and then he lists these four identity markers. He says, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a people for his own possession. Now, Peter, you need to know this. Peter didn't look at culture and say, what's culture? You ought to be the opposite of that. He doesn't do that. He doesn't say, let me look at everything, all encompassing of descriptors of Jesus. These are four describers of Jesus. That's, he could have, but that's not what he did. He went to the Old Testament. He went to the Old Covenant, which as a person who grew up Jewish, he would have had in his heart, right? He would have had these passages readily available. And so he first goes to Isaiah 43, verse 20, which says this. Listen, it says, the wild beast will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people. To hear that? My chosen people. And then he says, we're a chosen race. This is important. The Hebrew people were God's chosen people. And what we see that, that Peter's been describing here in 1 Peter is that God, through Jesus Christ, has a new covenant people, the church, right? The church. And so he is specifically saying here to the Christians, to the believers, that you are a chosen race, that God, through Christ, has picked you, right? He's, he's chosen you. He has selected you. You are his people. But then there's three more descriptors. Those are all coming from Exodus. Exodus chapter 19, verse 4 through 6. Listen to this. This is right after the people have been set free from slavery in Egypt. Exodus 19, starting in verse 4, says, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, therefore, meaning based on what I just said, now, therefore... If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, here's what he says, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Church, this is so, so, so important. This was foundational for the nation of Israel when it came to their identity and purpose. They've been set free from slavery in Egypt, but it's not until the next chapter that they receive the Ten Commandments. They don't have the law yet. There's no law. They have identity and purpose before they have law. And Peter goes, okay, just like this was foundational for the nation of Israel, he's telling the church, the first century church, this is important for you as well. This is important in your identity. You need to know who you are. And so he lists those three things. He says you're a royal priesthood, which we talked about a lot last week, so I'm not going to go too in-depth here. But a royal priesthood, a priesthood would have been understood 
in the book of Exodus. It would have been understood in the New Testament. The priesthood, these would be God's ambassadors to the people. They represent God to the people. They would talk about God's goodness and grace and mercy, his righteousness, his justice. These things would be described and talked about. These would be the people who would offer spiritual sacrifices on behalf of the people. And Peter says, okay, the priesthood is now you. The priesthood is now me. All those who have placed their faith in Jesus, you are now part of this royal priesthood, of being ambassadors of, of God to the whole world. That is now your job. This is who you are. You're a holy nation. This holy nation, this Greek phrase, ethnos hagion. Ethnos hagion says we are, we are a shared culture here, which is interesting. We're a, we're a shared culture. It's interesting because most of y'all didn't grow up in Oklahoma, most of y'all didn't, uh, you weren't born on a military base, right? That wasn't the experience most of you. We come, even this morning, we come from all over the area. Some of you drive as far as 45 minutes away just to get here, maybe even further, right? Some of you drive two minutes to get here. And so we come from all kinds of different neighborhoods and backgrounds and experiences. And yet we're told we are a nation together. We have a shared ethnos hagion, this shared culture together. And that that shared culture is holy. Don't miss this. It's holy. Holy literally means to be set apart. It means to be different. And what that tells us is that we as a church should not look like the rest of the world. We should not look like the rest of culture. The rest of culture should look at us and should see something different, should see something godlike in the way that they look at us. We should live lives that are set apart, that are holy because he is holy. And then we're told that we are people for his own possession. So going back to what we talked about in weeks past, we're in this cage, we're hostages to sin. You can't break, if you're a hostage on your own, you can't break out on your own. You have to be ransomed when you're a hostage. God ransomed us. He freed us. And that now, as Paul would say, the hope of glory is that Christ is in us. So he's in us, but this says that we are his possession. We are also in him. Do you hear how powerful that is? We are adopted as sons and daughters of the Most High. This is so good. Like, this is our identity. This is who we are. You ever, you ever talk to someone who's, who's adopted kids before? You ever, you ever had that chat? There's a commonality if you have those conversations, see a lot of us when we hear the word adoption, you probably think of the postcard, right? The one with the happy, happy family on the postcard. And it's fall in Michigan and the sky is blue. And it's like the photographer's so good because the leaves are mid-fall, like right when they capture the picture. You know, it's like, oh, look at that. And then you talk to the family who's adopted kids and they're like, yeah, it's not always that. Like those days do happen. Those days do happen, but every day does not necessarily get to be that day. In fact, they normally, adoptive parents will have a shared story that says there was a day when things were not that. Things were not going well. It was a bad day. It was a really, really bad, maybe a bad week or a bad month or just, it, it had not been going well. And so they set their child down and mom or dad or both have this conversation that says, I need you to hear some things. You are my son. You are my daughter. You're not half son. You're not half daughter. 
you're my son, you're my daughter, and I love you, and I love you completely. And you are a key member of this family. You're not part, half, some of this family. You are a key member within this family, and I love you. And so all of this behavior stuff that I haven't seen in a long time, that all of a sudden has snuck back in, I just want you to know it's not necessary. You don't need to do that because you're completely loved and completely safe right here. That's what those families will know. And, and that's where the change happens, isn't it? Maybe it's change for the kids. Maybe it's change for the parent. Maybe it's change for both. But that's normally when things start to shift right there is in that conversation. That's what Peter's saying to us. Peter's saying, hey, sometimes you forget, but you don't need to forget this. This is who you are. You belong to him. He picked you. He chose you. You're part of this royal priesthood, and I don't want you to take the eyes off, your eyes off the fact that you are his possession. This is who you are. And when you understand who you are, when you understand, church, your identity, then you can start to move over to your purpose. That's point number two. You need to know why you're here. Know why you're here. Look back to verse 9 again. Let's cover those four descriptors again. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And so Peter is going along. He gives these four descriptors. And do you see how he like pivots right there? Like it's, it's a hard, fast shift right here. He doesn't ease us into it like Peter would do, right? Peter just quickly just pivots and shifts with the word that. So go back and look at it again. Your chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, people for his own possession. That you may. It's just boom, comma, that you may. And he moves on. So he's like, now that you understand your identity, I need to get to your purpose. I talked about here's who you are. Now we need to talk about what are you supposed to be doing? What is your purpose? And he says that you may proclaim the excellencies of him. Proclaim his excellencies. Of course, he's, again, going back to the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 21 here is what he's doing. He's going back to the Old Testament. But I want you to look again, proclaim his excellencies. I went and I read through a lot of commentaries this week, and I love how one theologian put it. One theologian says, to proclaim God's excellencies is to speak of all he is and all he has done. Peter's word for proclaim is not used elsewhere in the New Testament. Think about that. That word proclaim, this is the only place in the New Testament that that word is used. This is unique. This is special. This is different from all the other proclaims that you see all throughout the New Testament. This one is different. And then he says, but this is used several times in the Psalms, which are usually songs. This is used several times in the Psalms to speak of praising God. So the purpose of the church. And what Peter's saying specifically to believers, our whole purpose is to proclaim his excellencies, to tell things to others in a way that glorifies God, right? Glorify God. That's our purpose. Our purpose, why we exist as a church, why we exist as Christians is we are here to glorify God. And you're probably sitting there thinking, well, pastor, thanks a lot. That's pretty churchy. Like, that's a churchy thing to say. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that. So when I talk to people, sometimes it's like they know I'm a pastor. And so I'll ask questions and people tell me churchy things. And so sometimes I have to look at them and say, hey, I don't, I want the Sunday school answer here. Like, I want your real answer. 
And when I say that, I don't want your Sunday school answer. That means I've been in church long enough that I know what you want me to say, but that's not necessarily what's in my heart and what I really think is true. Here's what is so cool about Peter. This is not a Sunday school answer. Peter's going, no, this is our purpose, church. This is why we exist. We exist to glorify God. So if you want to know why we do everything that we do as a church, there you go. It's to glorify God. So if you've ever wondered, why do we come in here and sing the songs? Like, why do we do that whole thing? Like, this is, this is a, a different, why are we doing that? Well, let me tell you why we do that. Because I struggled with that early in my faith. I remember going to church with Amy. This was a long time ago, back when I had me some hair. When I first started going to church with Amy, when they would start singing, I would do this. I'd cross my arms or put my hands in my pockets. And my lips, it was like super glued, like they were shut. You weren't going to get my mouth open because I thought this is Christian karaoke. It's weird. This is just so weird. You know what? Well, I don't know why we're doing any of this. And sometimes they clap their hands when they'd sing. And I'm like, I can't keep rhythm. I'm not doing that. And I would just be grumpy during the whole work. Why do we do that? Let me tell you why we do that. We do that to glorify God. We do that to proclaim his excellencies. Pay attention to what we sing. We are the royal priesthood. When you open your mouth, you are declaring to God how great he is, how marvelous he is, how majestic he is, how powerful he is. This is where you are preaching a sermon. As we sing, you are declaring to God how great and marvelous he is. Why do we do life groups? Some of you are going, I'm introverted. I don't like life groups. Let me tell you why we do life groups. We do life groups because sometimes we need reminded because we forget. We're like those kids who look at their parents and they, all of a sudden we start to act in a way that's not normal because we do forget. And we need reminded and we need to remind each other. Let me tell you how great God is. Let me tell you how wonderful and majestic he is. Let me tell you how he's moved in my life this week. Let me tell you what God is up to. The very last Thursday of this month, we're going to have a night of, of prayer and praise. It's going to be the last Thursday night before the election. So very, very last Thursday of this month, we're going to gather right here on a Thursday night. There will be time that we're going to break into groups and we're going to pray together in groups. And then there's going to be a time that we're going to speak to each other. And we're going to testify and we're going to tell what God has been doing. We're going to share those God stories. This is so important and why it is vital that we continue to meet in life groups. We need that time because we're called to it. Peter says, this is your very purpose. What are you spending your life doing? This is your purpose. Why do we do missions? Why are we doing this Thanksgiving box? I just want you to know so much bigger than food. It absolutely melted my heart when we were doing an all staff and they showed this picture of this little boy and he's holding this turkey. And she told the story of this little boy holding the turkey and she says, why are you smiling like that? And here's what this little boy said. He said, I'm smiling because this year this turkey means that all the family's going to come to our house and we're going to get to have Thanksgiving like everybody else does. See, all of a sudden, when we are on mission together, we communicate to the world how great our God is, how excellent he is. We do that in our, in our neighborhoods. We do that in our networks. We do that in our workplaces. We do that globally. And so real quick, let me recap this again. When we declare his excellencies, 
We're going to do that straight to God. We're going to worship him and let him know how excellent he is. We're going to do that one to another. We're going to declare his excellencies and how great he is. We're going to declare that to the whole rest of the world and declare how great he is and how excellent he is. We cannot get tired of this this process of realizing that our purpose is to glorify God because he has taken us out of darkness and into the marvelous light. Which brings us to our last point that we need to know what God did. Sometimes we know that, like we know, okay, here's my identity, here's my purpose. Sometimes we still get distracted, don't we? We get a little bit distracted, and so I love what Peter does here in verse number 10. He says, let me give you some fuel to your fire here. He says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So he says, I I want you to know your identity. I want you to know who you are. I want you to know your purpose. But then I want you to know what drives you to that purpose. What's driving you to the purpose is that you were in darkness and God took you from darkness into the marvelous light. That's what it is. He is the one who rescued you because you were not part of his people, but through his mercy, you are part of his people. Isn't that awesome? This this whole thing of darkness into marvelous light, church, it is used all throughout the New Testament. Acts chapter 26, 2 Corinthians 4, Ephesians 5, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 8. It's this picture that says, on my own, I'm going along in darkness. On my own, it's, it's the lights in the house with the power out. I can't see a thing. And I think I know my way around the house, but still it's not safe. It's, I'm going to step on something. I'm going to run into something. Like it's not good. And then just like that, the blinders are taken off. And in that moment, you get grace. You get mercy. You get a right standing with God. Just like that, the blinders are taken off. And Peter says, that's what should fuel you. That right there is what should fuel you in your whole mission. And, and so it's, a, it's really about fire, isn't it? Fire. If I have any firefighters in the room, it's just a wee little fire. This is not a big fire, so don't be nervous. Little bitty fire. Heat, oxygen, and fuel. That's what you need. Heat, oxygen, and fuel. And so I'm going to light this little candle here. Heat, oxygen, fuel, so you'll see it. If you, can y'all hear that? See, I like these wood ones because, oh, did, did I do something on my microphone? Did I? Now I'm back. I shouldn't do that for the next two services, should I? I want them to hear it, though. Like that wood thing, the wood ones are my favorite because they, they make that pop thing. Oh, yeah, so, and, and I've got this beard, so I've got to be careful. By the way, guys, here's what I did. I kick-started my beard because November's coming. But if I wait till November, my beard's so wimpy in November. So I got to like kick-start it by like a half month just so that I'm ready. Guys, kick-start your beard because we're also going to have some family photos going into Christmas time. And I want like a bunch of woolly looking guys going into. It's going to be great. Grow your beards out, guys. I see some people shaking their heads like, mm, no, you shouldn't do that. Anyway, I've got this fire. And so this fire's going, and, and a fire needs oxygen to survive, right? It, 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 it keeps the fire going. So if I put this lid on, but not all the way, and I just kind of halfway do this lid, what do you think just happened to my fire? It's hard to see in there, but what do you think's going on with that fire? It's going to diminish, isn't it? It, it doesn't just poof out, right? But it, it definitely is diminished. And I think sometimes, that's why Peter gives us this text, 
Sometimes what happens is that's us when we don't keep our eyes on what has happened with going from darkness to light, of what it has been from the work of the Lord in our lives, right? And when we remember that, when we remember the work of the Lord is taking that lid off and letting that oxygen in and letting that flame continue to grow bright, right? That's what it is because when you completely snuff that out, of course, then the flame is what's, it's gone, Peter has called us to be a church that knows our identity. And that through our identity, we know what our purpose is. That's what's driving us in mission. But the whole time, we're keeping our eyes focused on knowing what God did. And so I want to leave you with this. When you're thinking through your identity, when you're thinking through your purpose, when you're thinking through the direction of your life and you're going... Are you in the process right now of doing that on a regular basis? I don't see how it's possible for a Christian to stand when it's time to sing and just keep our mouths closed. That shouldn't be possible for us. So what I'm asking you, brothers and sisters, is when it's time to sing, our mouths open and our hearts just exploding with joy in this place of saying, I can't hold this in. I've got to tell God how great he is. This is not about the person to your left or your right thinking you're a good singer or a bad singer. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with us telling God we know who he is and we know who we are in him. That's what that's about. Are you involved in a life group? Hey, there's a QR code right in front of you. You can scan that. If you're joining us for the first time, you can scan that code. If, if you're wanting information about life groups or to communicate with us, scan that code. You can fill out your communication card and your bulletin. You can grab us on the way out. You can grab a deacon, a deaconess, an elder, a staff person, me. You can call the office this week. You can email us. Do you hear how many onboarding ramps we're giving you for life groups? There's no excuse Church, there's no excuse. If this is a place you call your church home, you ought to be involved in community together. There are no Lone Ranger Christians, none, right? And so this is a place where we're going to declare God's goodness one to another. We're going to continue to declare his greatness. Are you involved missionally? Are you involved when it comes to serving, using your gifts and talents and passions and burdens? Are you inviting people to church? Are you having conversations about your faith? It's our very purpose. It's why we're here, to declare his glories and his greatness, to glorify God. That's why we're here. So I want to pray for you. But first, I know that it's possible that some of you got hung up when I talked about how Peter wrote this letter to the church, to those who place their faith in Christ. And some of you thought, huh, I've never, I've never done that. I don't even know if this letter's written to me because I... I haven't placed my faith in Jesus. Friends, I want you to know you're not here on accident this morning. There's a million different things that could have happened that would have made it to where you wouldn't be right here, right now. And so why not make today the day that you surrender to Christ as your Lord and Savior? Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the grace that you've showered on us, for ransoming us out of sin and darkness and bringing us into the marvelous light. We thank you for this place that we can be called sons and daughters of the Most High. 
Lord, for this reminder that we're part of this royal priesthood. So this isn't just a Sunday only, that Lord, we get to be your ambassadors all throughout the week in our homes, school, work, friendships. Lord, those that we meet on the street, this is a world that's desperate, that is so desperate to see flames that are burning bright. People desperate to talk about your goodness and your grace. So Lord, give us courage. Continue to remind us of who we are in Christ Jesus. And Lord, for the person or people in this room, maybe they've never surrendered to your Lordship. Just for those individuals to have the freedom in these moments to say, I believe. I believe that God loves me. I believe that's why you sent Jesus who lived the perfect and sinless life, who is crucified, who paid the price on my behalf. I believe that he gave his life as a ransom for mine. And Lord, for them to be able to say that they believe that he was also the one who rose on the third day, who conquered sin and death and rose again. That through faith in him, we can have new life, that we become a new creation. Lord, I pray for that place of surrender this morning. That you continue to be honored and glorified through your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand as we close our morning in worship. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.